My name is Nate Phillips, and I am the champion of J.I.W. After our debut episode of season four took the world by storm, the high, yeah, that's right, the highest rated premiere in J.I.C.N. history, and it's all because of me, and this is my confidant, the man closest to me. Hit him with a little bit of that bubbly buckles. Check us out on Journey Into Wrestling, where the podfather and I run down everything from the bingo halls to the brightest delights. If it's in between the ropes, it's on Journey Into Wrestling. Every other Wednesday on the Journey Into Comics Network. What on earth is that? It's a Journey Into Comics Network production! Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. Brought to you by the power of the Journey Into Comics Network. This is the Journey Into Comics Podcast. The show that's 100% dedicated to everything nerd. With your hosts, the Podfather, Nate Phillips, the Podmaster, Brandon Stone, and the Journey Into Comics Network stepdad, Tyler McLaughlin. Time to make the chimney chunks. Hey! Excellent! Finally. What did you do? And here we go. Can somebody tell me what kind of a world we live in where a man dressed up as a bat gets all of my press? This town needs an enema. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Comics. Today, it's JIC 307. I am your host, Nate. Today, Journey into Comics, suffering through a blue period. Joining me, as always, is Journey into Comics Network co-founder, also host of Game Addicts Podcast. Welcome back once again, Podmaster Brando. You know, every time that I run the show on my end, um, and I have to watch that intro, because you guys are just sitting there. You're just kind of waiting, and and you know the intro is pretty long now. It's like a whole minute. You're just like, or, or, or is it, it's almost like you guys are wondering, did it really start it? Did it be doing it? We just sitting here, and but no, like every, like I know the intro's gotten longer, but that's a damn cool intro. I'm it so is. I'm so proud of the work I put into that because like like I even like showed it at one point uh, a, to our good buddy Dick Blaine Tyner. And this is before I had to go back and re-edit myself back into the. <laughs> so he he saw it like a glimpse of like 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 the work in progress of it because because I was so proud of it and I, I'm like I got to show somebody else he knows and so that way when he still watched the episode or listened to it he's like wait what <laughs> that wasn't there last time no I'm so proud of the intro and I'm so proud that I'm at least I get to watch it every week. <laughs> but I, lo- I love that intro. Oh, look at look at sliding right into our DMs like a good stepdad would. Welcome back yet again to JIC. <laughs> EY, how's it going, brother? Hey, I'm uh 
I was going to say something witty, but as you can see from my eyes, I'm kind of tired today. It's okay. We're tired and drinking that water. We know I've what's got up. Like, I've got like the dad <laughs> hangover where like I stayed up too far past my bedtime last night. Dude. So I'm you. not I'm not hungover from like being inebriated. I'm just my body is screaming at me. Like why? Why? How dare you? <laughs> See, I've got this weird thing as of late. I don't know. Maybe it's not the same at your guys' house or what, but like, I feel like I can't get house shit done as much yeah. when everybody else is awake. Mm-hmm. So the moment that pillows have been filled with heads, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's time to go do the dishes and I'm going to put on a motherfucking podcast and. I'm gonna eat myself a donut at two thirty in the morning, you know. Like, yeah. it's just you just vibe and it's great, you know. Um, actually, ex- did that exact thing last night. And spoiler alert, Brando, I didn't even tell you this yet. I'm beyond magnetic. Ah, cool, cool. Ah, so that's that's just you've a officially surpassed me because I haven't listened to anything for that project uh, for a while. What I will say though, to to add to what Tyler was saying about the dad hangover. Something happens when you hit 30. It's like that magical number. Or it, it maybe it doesn't hit you right at 30. You don't feel it yet. It's like maybe a year or two later, you're just like, you're looking at that clock. You're like, man, I'm ready for bed. And it's like 9 o'clock. Man. Of course, you know, and this happened to me, man. I was foolish, you know. Had a lot more, um, I was cocky and arrogant thinking that, man. Had some gusto. You know. I don't have a kid tonight. You know, this is back when we only had one. She's having a girl's night or whatever. I'm by myself like until like she gets home at like early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it's a Friday night and I don't have to work tomorrow. I'm making some food. I'm putting some games on. And I'm going to stay up late. I'm going to still be up for when she gets home and then we'll just go to bed together. Mm-hmm. That, that never happened. Nope. It never <laughs> happened. I thoroughly remember there was um, uh, one point I made food. I I grilled chicken wings on the grill for the first time. I've never really grilled chicken wings. I've always either cut them up and fried them or, or did something else with you know crock pot. But you know I grilled chicken, but never just the complete wing. And I made them, and they were awesome. And it, and and it was like ten o'clock, and I'm like, I gotta go to bed. I I I I, I, I can't go on. I just can't. And then there was one night I was actually playing. It was, I was playing Spider Man. Spider Man just come out, and and I'm playing yeah. that, and now the windows open, and I, and and I and I just hear like. Outside, like my window, like this. I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, oh my god! And I run to the window, and there's a dog murdering a cat in my neighbor's yard, just tearing this this cat apart. I look up, I'm like, what are you doing? And the dog runs off, and that cat's laying there. And I'm like. I'm trying to see, like, you know, I can't really see the cat very well. I'm like, is he still there? And I just hear that cat going, oh. And then the next day I went out there and I'm like, yep, he's still here. He gone. Oh. He murderized that cat. That dog oh, was like, no. <laughs> that the, that cat was probably taunting that dog when he was tied up. That yeah. cat fucked up. And that dog got out and was like, you gone, buddy. I'm going to eat you. <laughs> you done fucked up, AA, oh. Ron. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's you, an extra you, crispy drop from you. That was great. I love you, it. You've done me your last owl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, uh, 
What have you guys been up to, though? Like last time we recorded was a little early in the previous week. We usually wait till closer to Sunday to talk and whatnot. I had plans and stuff and uh, had a very fruitful. I'm, I'm repping the shirt today. Uh, Pokemon Go Fest, you know. Uh, yeah, how was that? Well, OK, so f- let's dr- jump back like three years into 2017 when the first Go Fest happened. It was $20 a ticket. Tickets sold out in like 36 minutes or something crazy like that. Then the aftermarket sale on tickets was like $250 to $400 a ticket to get into Chicago for this event. And then, of course, the event was not prepared for the amount of people, so it had a bunch of errors and it just wasn't very good. They've tried to do a couple other events along the way, and they've been more successful. But this year, obviously, Corona, you can't have – one city host a giant event with 50,000 people crowd in a small area. You're going to have a bad time. So they did this thing where they decided, okay, we'll make it 15 bucks a ticket per person and everybody can play wherever they are. And it was some of the most fun I've had doing mobile gaming ever. Like Saturday was pretty relaxed. A lot of it was done from the comfort of my house, which was nice. And I could, I was just on my phone a lot, which was kind of unfortunate, but like, Sunday buckles actually came into my neck of the woods and we rolled together into crown point and did a big like thing about it. And it was great. It was so much fun. Like it was, it was, it was absolutely a blast, you know, um, needless to say, when you roll with buckles, who is a level 40, like literal poker master in that game, you learn a few things along the way. And that dude is insane. He just like, he's like, Oh, I just do this. Dump, caught it, got it, handled it. We're going to go fight this guy this way. We're going to do, he's like, I'm not a level 40 for nothing. Oh, got me clear. Got me there. But no, it was, it was great though. All in all, I had, a, I had a really enjoyable experience, you know? Um, although I hate people. Can I just fucking say it? Like, God damn, I hate people. We went to this because Buckles is like, I'm on vacation, man. I need to eat all this delicious food and I want to eat all these great places. And I was like, okay, cool. But we're in Crown Point and that's not really my stomping ground like at all. I don't I know like one really amazing restaurant there and it was sushi. But they weren't even open yet. So it's like, that's not going to happen. So I'm like, how about we'll just walk around and if you see something that tickles your fancy pick. We're walking around the square, and my thought is, as long as he doesn't pick Taverns on Main, everything's copacetic, and he picks Taverns on Main, which is a place that I've actually left a terrible one-star review for because of how awful the service was. So we go in there. He and I are literally the only people that have masks on or in their vicinity or anything, except for the workers. The workers, of course, do, but like as far as other patrons, no. And it was just like, we're going to eat really fast and get out of here. So we did. And then we went back to hunting and then called it a day. And that that was that. That was pretty good, though. So to kind of add just a little bit about, because I, I, I was actually going to talk about this a little bit today, because as much as we're going to talk about stuff that's going on in the world of nerdum, it, it, it's only it doesn't really seem right not to talk, talk about things that are going on in the, in the world around us. And coronavirus is still a thing. It's still here. That's a bad word on YouTube, by the way. The word oh, that yeah. I said, you're not allowed to say it. We're we're not allowed to talk about it, uh, but the reason we're not allowed to talk about it is, and I understand why they banned the word. I get what the purpose of it was, but this is the, you know, the one fuckhead 
who ruined it for the whole class pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Okay. Because it's not because us being regular people saying the word coronavirus is a real thing is, is going to get us flagged. It's that there are so many conspiracy theorists out yeah. there mm-hmm. and those videos could definitely become a problem in this current. Well, yeah, because uh, it creates state. misinformation and people don't won't do the due diligence, won't do the homework and they'll read literally and, and they'll read and believe any headline they see and just, I can them. eat rat shit and cure my Corona. Oh yeah. It's on yeah. Um, sex so, demons. Yeah. Sex demons and demon seeds. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, choking on the bad seed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the kind of... <laughs> Anyways, so I've been watching baseball. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, I used to watch baseball a lot when I was a kid with my dad. And I, and You're I a Cardinals to... fan. Yes, I'm a Cardinal fan. Uh, wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm a Cub fan. I know you are. You know. I'm a Sox fan because that... we win. Hey, that's okay. Um, so I grew up a Cardinal fan and, uh, I also follow some other teams. I follow the Cubs and, and stuff like that, you know, cause they're, cause they're also in a division. I don't hate the Cubs. I like to watch, but I mean, there's that rivalry, you know, it's like if, if they're playing the cards, I want the cards to win, but it's like last, uh, late last year, I started kind of following it again, lead, lead, like leading up in the postseason, And I'm like, man, I haven't followed this forever. I didn't even, I, I, I remember who the catcher was. <laughs> He's the only guy. He started in like '04, and that that was around the time, like early 2000s, was when I quit. And but but I just remember him because Pujols was still playing then, and my dad was still watching a lot. Um, but just get back into it then, and it's like you know what? Next year I'm actually going to follow a little bit more. I'm actually going to follow it throughout the whole season and see see if I can get into it a little bit and something for me to watch that isn't just movies or uh, TV shows or uh, wrestling or anything like that. You know, it's like an right. actual, so something I can actually put on the TV or put it on my phone on the radio and not pay super close attention to all the time while I'm doing it. It's something I can put on while I'm doing stuff around the house, you know, that isn't a podcast too, you know. It's kind of like just get on my regular norm. But in baseball, have you guys heard about the Florida Marlins? Oh, yeah. They got big fucked. <laughs> 17 <laughs> players tested positive for COVID. Yep. Not to mention there's also staff members. And just this weekend, three Cardinal players tested car- positive for Corona, as well as several uh, staff members. So the whole the uh, series they were going to have against the Brewers has been postponed. Originally, MLB is already toast, essentially. As much as they don't want to admit it. Listen, yeah. no, no, I agree. your teams have got it. Now, when the NBA shut down the first time, only the Utah Jazz had problems yeah. initially. Right. So now you've got two major teams, and you can't you, – you've already shanghaied the whole season because now it's not fair if they don't get to compete and other teams do. Yeah. So there's, like, all this all this conjecture. Now, my big question to you guys is what's the over-under before the NBA gets more corona cases because it's coming? Well, I think, you know, I, I'm the uh, – of all the people at least – on the immediate network, I'm the sportsiest of the the sports dads. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I think you know as much as I love sports, operating the NBA, operating the MLB right now, um, you know, and NHL they they started playing games again yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think it's a mistake. I think it is a um, like just a poorly a poorly executed. I mean, it's a mistake because it's just a cash grab to justify everyone's addiction to sports gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the number one ad. I'm sorry to interrupt, but the number one ad. Right. I, the number one ad that I keep seeing 
During, DraftKings. Well, uh, well, uh, there's a uh, fan duels or something like that. It, it, yeah. It's like uh, I see that during the games because I'm because uh, because being uh, Sprint through T-Mobile, I got I got a free subscription to MLB.tv, which allows me to pretty much watch all the games. Other than like ah. I, I can't watch Cubs games because they're blacked out. Right. Uh, but I can listen to them on my on my phone through the radio. But that that and YouTube YouTube videos that have nothing to do with sports. So yes, no, I agree with you, Tyler. Our uh, people's addiction to sports betting, the sports betting, bet sporting. So maybe the episode title <laughs> to justify to justify FanDuel to justify um, DraftKings to justify like you know Indiana legalized uh, sports gambling. I mean, it, yep. it's like it's a it's a uh, you know not only is it an addiction. Um, but it, it it's a big deal, and it is like it's a big money maker. It's a money maker. That's what that's what I was trying to uh, trying to articulate. Like everyone bitches about the money that athletes make, and and especially you know baseball, baseball and basketball are the two the two worst cases of of why why someone playing a sport shouldn't make that amount of money. But they make that kind of money because people make quintuple that amount of money betting on their their yeah whether they hit a one more three-pointer in that game you know yeah like especially like if you if you get on like FanDuel or DraftKings like right now just open it up create an account for free depending on like they might say okay the Lakers game coming up anybody who bets on these lines will give you 50 bucks for free you bet you bet fifty bucks of their money, and then you win, and it's like, well, fuck yeah, I just won, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm gonna bet some more, and then it hooks you, yeah, because you know it's like uh, it's like candy cigarettes when we were kid. Uh, I mean, it, it it's the same shit all over again, and you know, like like everything else, we're Americans, so we're immediately bamboozled by the marketing. You know, it's like watch Mad Men, and you understand like how manipulated. Americans are. Oh, yeah. Red carpet cigarettes are coming to the Dominican Republic of Congo. Everyone knows that <laughs> cigarettes are good for you. Once you've had one, you'll want more and more and more mm-hmm. and more and more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, my point was like, I guess, uh, like, especially with the uh, coronavirus cases. What are we going to do if, if if these major sports uh, organizations like the MLB, the NBA, NFL, NHL, whatever, and they have all this access, like MLB testing for, for COVID takes two days to get your results right. back. The regular, or all of us, we get six days, seven days, you know, like it can take, it can take up to three weeks. Yes. In cases. Yes. So like they have the money, they have the resources and they are still you know, and, and also, uh, please note that, you know, like, all these players might not even be showing symptoms. They might not even, you know, they might not get anything, but they're still positive, which means that, they're, that they've been carriers of it, you know. And, and, and that's still, a lot of people don't put that into consideration. Just that if you test positive, because some people say, and I've heard this, I've, I've, I've heard one person at works where I work that says, if you test positive and you don't have symptoms, it shouldn't be counted as a positive. 
which is ridiculous to me because, as I said, you're still a carrier and you can still infect other people and get them sick. So, yes, it should be you, a positive case. You are case. constantly shedding the virus. Yes. Regardless of whether or not you're asymptomatic or not, you are constantly shedding the virus. You are infecting everyone and everything around you at all times. So, I know, Tyler, you've heard about this, uh, and, and this is where I'm going with it. If these organizations can't keep their players safe, because because there's nobody in attendance, really. There's cardboard cutouts. They're playing, as you said, they're playing for the TV audience, but they're who are they playing for? The betters, right? right. The betters. That's their, that's their key audience at this point. Um, because, like, number one, that's their key audience, and everybody else is a casual viewer or a diehard viewer yep. that doesn't bet. They don't care about them as much. You know, they'll, they'll buy the merch. They'll go to the game and buy a hot dog, you know, and like in a beer that costs you 20 bucks. But, mm-hmm. but it's the people who are going to be on their phone. Yeah. Okay. So if they can't keep themselves safe, how can we keep kids safe in schools, which they're not going to have the money or the resources to get this shit done? Because day one in Greenfield Central Community School Corporation, 20 miles east of Indianapolis. Nate, did you hear about this? No. How many kids already right. have it? All right. So I'm, I'm just going to read the article that's posted on our local website, on the local news sure. website. Sure. Just days after public schools around the state reopened their doors for the first time since March, at least one student and one staff member have tested positive for the virus. This is an opening day. Opening day. Okay. And the Greenfield Central Community uh, School Corporation a student tested positive for the virus on the first day back to class. Superintendent Harold Olin sent an email to parents of the students in Greenfield Central Junior High uh, Thursday morning afternoon notifying them that a student at the school had tested positive for the virus. Olin told the Associated Press that the district was notified of the positive test by the Hancock County uh, Health uh, Department and that the student uh, attended school only for part of the day Thursday. Uh, the student uh, tested was tested for the virus days earlier, and he said that it appears that the student attended the school before receiving the results. So he still went to school and then got the results and left. Uh, so he's already infected so many more people they don't even know yet. Well, po- possibly. I mean, d- due to contact tracing, you'd have to figure out who this kid was around uh, and what classes he was in. He said, this really does not change our plans of reopening schools. We we knew that this would uh, we we knew that we would have a positive case at some point in the fall. <laughs> we simply did not think it would happen on day one. In response to the school di- di- district, in, re- the, in response the school district enacted positive COVID test test patrol, which 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 includes isolating the the, the students in the school clinic. Uh, district and school nurses worked to identify other student uh, to identify other students or staff who may have had close contact. Classrooms and areas where the student have spent their time are also given special cleanings. Um, close contacts will have to be in quarantine for 14 days before returning to school. So just imagine, we're trying to get school started back <clears throat> up. We're trying to get everything rolling back. Everything's back to normal, guys. Let's go, and we got because we got to do it. But the moment we have a positive, even on day one, anyone this kid was around, if you were sitting next to him in class, now you got to stay out of school for two weeks. Yeah, and that's a cyclical thing that's going to keep happening it's gonna, it's, the school year. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to find so many children who are either beholden to e-learning who might have well just stayed home anyways, mm-hmm. or you're going to fall into this new pattern where you're going to have a bunch of kids so far behind they can't graduate or keep up with the standard. 
I mean, this is a very dangerous tightrope game here. And I, I do have a quick question for you guys. Have you guys seen the NBA setup yet for this? I haven't seen it yet, no. Okay, I watched highlights last night from the <clears throat> Raptors-Lakers game. Okay. They have a crowd. It's all digital, though, and everybody is, like, at home, and they digitally implant them into a fake seat. Wow. It's so weird. So, I mean, I guess, like, it's cool. You could probably, like, smoke a J at home and, like, watch the NBA on the NBA and be like, hey, what's up? I'm on TV right now, and you can't stop me. But, like, uh, the thing that was really weird is is that the screen would just go black for an advertisement for, like, two minutes, and then all of a sudden there would be fans again. It was very strange to me, but... I, I just I can't get over and Brandon, you hit it so perfectly. These major companies that have billions of dollars poured into them and there's there's investors who are trying to keep their investments safe can't even do that in this time. Why as a society are we going or, and I mean at least as the nation, because not all countries are like this because they, you know, listen to the experts. Why are we right now saying, Oh, everything's cool, we should just reopen for the betterment of the economy, but you're gonna kill possibly hundreds of thousands of more people when we closed down in march we're like way above those initial numbers and cases oh yeah and death rate and so i mean again i don't want to spend a whole lot of time bogging down the podcast talking about reality but that's what it is man this is where we're at because quite literally you know it I'm not the kind of guy that's going to come on this podcast and get political. I'm pretty sure anybody who, who, who has listened to us in any of our other platforms knows where we stand on things. But I just sure. think it's very interesting that we have a guy who's calling shots, who says we need to get kids back in school and it's, and it's number one priority, who then comes out and says it's, it's too dangerous to have an election. We need to move it. Or delay it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's... What a clown is all I can say. No, I mean, he is, but I mean, you have to have a whole lot of authority that he doesn't just simply sure, have. No, so I know what he's getting at and I know why. I know the reasons. I just think it's, it's asinine that you could even like just be, be because the messaging, the messaging, the messaging, the messaging. You know, I, I don't, I can't remember who I've told about this. Like whether it's stuff that's going on in politics, whether it's, Microsoft, whether it's, you know, a brand new tech, if you're not going to get your messaging right, you're, you're, you're going to fail your product and you're going to fail your audience. And anybody who has any sort of lick of common sense is going to see right through that. Mm -hmm. That I said, the exact, I, I was talking to somebody at work about when Microsoft launched the Xbox one a few years ago and how their messaging doomed this entire generation for them. And they spent this entire time with a bucket. Phil Spencer with with a bucket has been trying to get water out of the ship. And he and he's done a good job. You know, eventually eventually Bill Gates handed them a bigger bucket. You know, he was able to get more water out. But, I will say look at Microsoft's Biazoon model. <laughs> messaging. It didn't really work for him. Messaging. It didn't work. You know, in twenty sixteen, the guy running for president, his messaging hit his hit hit his market. Hit it, and it hit enough of the market to help him win the presidency. This time around, it's like he's all over the board, man, all over the place. Because I, I just I, I don't think he knows where to throw that dart. And I think when, every time he tries, it's it's not sticking. And and then so it, I personally feel that we are in for a rough ride when yeah. w with kids going back to school. 
You know, the, the, the fact that this news came out day one, there was news about kids went to a summer camp and had 126 kids get sick with coronavirus. <clears throat> I, I don't have that article. My wife told me about it. It, it was it was it was uh, within two days, like 68 percent of that camp had it. And then like another following, like five days after that, the remainder were covid positive so in the first 48 hours like 68 percent, and obviously these are numbers that i'm pulling out of the fucking stratosphere sure, yeah but i remember reading this article and being like okay not everybody got it and then oh then everybody got it so um it's not like uh uh you can you can pick and choose um the message that you want to send there it it is strictly these children hung out at this camp Everyone got COVID. And it, the end. Like Story I, I, over. I've had this argument with my dad and with other people <laughs> a lot here lately because you know, my dad has has uh because of his job studied uh pandemic response and you know my dad is like one piece of paper away from being like a virologist. So my dad is very, very educated on the subject and, and I, I enjoy talking to him about these things. But he called me the other day and we were talking about 18 and under mortality, infant mortality, and all kinds of shit. And he's like, you know, my dad is a, uh, I'm not going to say staunch Republican, but he's definitely, you know, he's 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 back in Trump right now. And, and I, don't, I don't really care for it. But, it, you know, he, he's giving me this whole diatribe on why wearing the masks is stupid and... Um, you know, like the the child 18 and under and infant mortality rates for COVID-19 is so low that it's negligible, you know, and, and, and like he is he is giving me this whole spiel in the way that I feel uh, a businessman is talking about his product. Like this amount of our product, we know we're going to lose on a quarterly basis. That's acceptable. And to me, if if I send my children to school this fall because I have to go to work and then they get COVID-19 and then they have everlasting health concerns because of COVID-19, I, 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 you know, I might be an oddity in America, but that's not acceptable to me. Yeah. No, I agree with you um, because I'm right there you know, with you. Collateral well, collateral damage is a term that normally is only talked about in war or in the times of like um, catastrophic events. Like, yep. Right now, <clears throat> co collateral damage should be a part of our vocabulary because you know for 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 months and months and months, everybody has said, well, if you're under a certain age, you don't really need to worry about. Uh, your uh, how susceptible you are to the virus. You just have to worry about everyone else around you. That's already I, been proven bullshit. That's already been proven bullshit. But you know, why? At what point? At what point? You know, and I and I've said this a dozen times, a dozen different ways. But it's like, at what point is enough enough? Because, and and I'm not I'm not talking about the the COVID nineteen. I'm talking about. Uh, being under the thumb of the government because mm -hmm. they don't we we 100 are expendable you you cannot bar the cdc from testifying if you give a shit about your constituents 
Like you just you just can't. Um, I you know, you. all the protests going on, people hammering Fauci about whether or not we should shut protests down because because Martha Jean Martha Jean can't go to mass this Sunday, but but them them folk out there they can protest. That that we need to shut that down. Like I'm, I, I'm fucking I'm tired of hearing it, man. I guess this is my my you know my big pieces, and this is maybe a little dark. Right now, we have a very interesting thing happening in our country, and it's simply put, natural selection. Now, unfortunately, there is going to be collateral damage in this because not everybody can stay as safe and whatever, and you know. Just because there's a large base of people who are, you know, just sorry, again, to get political, like Trump supporters who believe that masks are bad, they are going to systematically wipe themselves out during coronavirus until one of two things. There are no more people that don't believe in masks or there's a virus uh, stopper, a vaccine, if you will, something that kills the, the, the drama we are all living in. And until that moment those people are going to just wipe themselves out systematically. The unfortunate problem is they're probably going to pull people who were not deserving of that and who did believe down with them because they're unaware of the, uh, you know, stupidity of their fellow person. The problem is, is the rest of us still have to interact with those people. Mm -hmm. So yep. natural selection aside, like I still got to send my kids to school. Yeah. And then and I and their I kids go, go to, to school and are around our kids yeah. And so here's the thing, you know, we're talking about child mortality rate, talking about infant mortality rate. It's it's systematically low, but it, that's already too high for me because yes. I'm not willing to let my kid become that statistic. It, it should be too high for everyone. And it it, it, it it never matters to anybody until it's their own kid and my kid's dead because I, I was too hard headed not to send them. And now all of a sudden it's like, wow, man, I was wrong. I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to look back in hindsight and say I, I was wrong right. by putting my, like, not just for myself in danger, but for my kids. That's not going to happen. So yeah, we didn't even talk about the, like the lasting effects of people who do survive coronavirus. They have like blood clotting issues yes. and all kinds of problems well, because the on the other side of it. Because it, it's, it gives you flu like symptoms, but it's a vascular disease. It, mm -hmm. it it does create blood clots and it, and that's a danger. You know, people our age are having a higher risk of heart attack and strokes. So it's at the crux of this needs to be, you know, like like Tyler said, when is too much too much? And it was too much too much ago. It was because I'm not because I'm not I'm <laughs> not know? putting my kids in danger. I'm just not going to do it. And I and I for people being too hard headed. We have too many people who 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 are who are ignoring and choosing to believe one or two. As I said about the messaging, the messaging has been so back and forth with a guy that's supposed to be looking out for the for our best interests. You know, uh, we all three of us know that government doesn't really do that. They only care about themselves and their own pockets and their own endeavors and their own agendas. Well, and, and don't forget the child trafficking that they're using COVID nineteen and the protests and everything else to hide behind. The don't forget that. No, uh, but we elect these people to represent us. They're supposed to, mm -hmm. and they're not representing us. I mean, they're just not. I, and and, and I, I want it to be clear to anybody listening to this who might be more conservative or, or more liberal. I'm not trying to say that I'm on one side of the aisle here. 
Because in my opinion, this is not a political issue. It's a human issue, bro. Dude, it's a health issue. And we should Correct. all be united on this. This shouldn't be used. Oh, they're just because I've heard them. Oh, this is going to all disappear after the election because they because they can't hurt Trump with it anymore. It's like this is not going to disappear, guys. Not in the and then January twentieth when whoever else is sworn in, they're going to be like immediately. Let's try to fix the problem because you have to. Like, how do you stop a leak in a boat? You put something in the hole, you know. And you, right now, there's. The hole is getting bigger. This is the Titanic. We well, are saying again, our, our politicians have 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 politicized this whole event. You know, you know, them saying, oh, they're 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 using this to hurt Trump. Well, Trump's using this to try to help himself mm-hmm. because wh- why else would he ask to delay to, to delay the election? His polls and his response are not the highest. And second, he needs you know, he doesn't have the same talking points as he had in the last time that really got him past that hurdle and won the hundred thousand extra votes that he needed to win the states that he needed to win. Right. This time it's going to be a lot closer, a lot closer. And he knows he needs something. And what's that something? A vaccine. Why else would he say delay it if that vaccine's not going to be ready by October? Because the moment it's out, he can say, we spared no expense. Mm-hmm. We spared no time to get this to the American people because I care about each and every one of you. And you're going to get a lot of people who who, who don't pay attention to stuff like this. And are just well, he's, like, he's, he's trying to do it right now with the stimulus. Yes. Yeah. Trump's trying to say, you know, I care about the American people. I want the American people to have the stimulus. Like, then tell your Republican jerk off friends to stop giving all the money to big corporations. You uh, dick. Democrats are doing it, too. But well, did you hear about uh, they asked? I watched this video where they asked Mitch McConnell about the funding for the new FBI building that's in the bill. And he goes. That's not in there, is it? And it is, because apparently that funding goes into in, into that building, and they were originally going to build the building in the suburbs, but by building it in town, it's more incentive to to possibly. It's basically uh, a again. We need to look into it more, but it could be linking into building a possible hotel. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you have money in pockets of people who are going to use their positions to help themselves get richer. It's only going to happen so long. Guillotines are coming out. I'm telling you, guys. <laughs> it's getting closer. Tyler's been Tyler's been hot on, hot on those guillotines, man. Hey, I mean, technically in America, guillotines have come out. Look at what's happened in Puerto Rico. Legitimately, mm-hmm. like they took guillotines <laughs> to their politicians' houses. <laughs> said change. Why do I get the feeling you? that us rolling a guillotine, uh, a guillotine up would it, it would end up like Monty Python and yeah, just not I go mean, the way? It, it's like it's like them wheeling the big wooden rabbit up. And then like, all right, now what do we do? It's like, all right, now we're going to wait until until it's dark, and then we're going to jump out and, and like, attack them. And <laughs> yeah, it's on Netflix, by the way. Um, oh, go yeah. check out Monty Python, Search of Holy Grail. It's a classic. Um, but anyway, we can we can get off of this real talk and, and onto some cool, fun news. I've actually got something pulled up that I wanted to surprise you guys with. Surprise me. A Star Wars fan has a video and there's just a a little diagram I'm going to read from that proves why every film has the wrong title. I saw this. I I saw it it too. It was great. Okay. So for the fans who haven't seen it yet, I'll just briefly go through each of the, the nine films. So it says the Phantom Menace is all about the discovery of Anakin Skywalker as the chosen one and his first major victory in battle. Therefore it is the true rise of Skywalker. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Attack of the Clones is all about the mystery of the clone army's creation and Darth Sidious making major moves to undermine the Republic. 
Jedi Order and Path of Anakin Skywalker. In many ways, it's a true moment of the Sith's revenge plot coming into view. This movie should be Revenge of the Sith. Uh, episode three is the big climactic twist to Revenge of the Sith is the Order 66 and the assassination of the Jedi. It's the only real Attack of the Clones moment in the entire Skywalker saga. Oh, this person is clever. Uh, a new hope sees Luke Skywalker become the first real hope for the Jedi after decades of the Order being in hiding. By Obi-Wan teaching Luke the now forgotten Jedi way, the film is really the return of the Jedi. Uh, episode five, moving on. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back is a long chase sequence, but Luke's part of the story sees him learning the deeper meaning and ways of the Force from Yoda. In terms of story development, it's the moment the Force awakens for both Luke and the viewers. In Return of the Jedi, Yoda dies, and Anakin sacrifices himself in his redemptive moment, defeating Emperor Palpatine. As the film ends, Luke really is the last Jedi, since Leia hasn't been trained yet. Now on to Episode 7. <clears throat> After Luke and the Rebel Alliance and the threat of Palpatine, the Empire survives and evolves into the dreaded First Order. In Episode 7, the Empire strikes back with its new super weapon. On to episode eight, the entire theme of Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi is about the older figures like Luke and Leia pushing the younger generation, Ray and Poe, to keep the spark of the rebellion dark or the rebellion alive in dark times. With Luke's sacrifice, he gives the resistance a new hope. And lastly, uh, the opening crawl of the Rise of Skywalker starts with the often mocked line, the dead speak. By bringing back Palpatine as a th the thought dead threat still lurking in the universe, the film truly gives us the Phantom Menace. They're clever. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, I really it's pretty, appreciated it. It's pretty clever. Did you guys hear about the rumor? I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around about Star Wars right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of rumors. We might finally be rid of Kathleen Kennedy and my my one true dream come true. <laughs> You, dude, she is like your nemesis. It, like, like she's just not good, man. Yeah. So she's big bad. Big bad. <laughs> so <laughs> big bad. <laughs> this kid. All right. So apparently, they could be finding a way to undo the sequel trilogy in its entirety. What? Mm -hmm. What? Yes. Oh yeah. By using the veil. And then okay. going back in time to tell Luke not to kill Ben Solo. Mm -hmm. Therefore, Ben Solo never becomes Kylo Ren. Therefore, that trilogy never happens. Yes. And huh. the new and the new so there's so that that I guess there's three options for what they're going to do with this, and that is like one of the most extreme. And there's not Gotta a lot. Go back in time. Bah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like how Nate, Nate yawned and he, he got. I didn't mean to yawn. I just. Yeah. Was time. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess. Uh, do you know who's in talks to write and direct this new trilogy? No. George Lucas. Daddy's happy. I think that's a bad idea. I think it's a fucking great idea. I think it's a terrible decision. You Okay, let's hit pause real quick. You're going to tell sure. me that. That Kathleen Kennedy making one of the most divisive and awful, overall awful trilogies in the history of modern cinema is a, is a better idea than bringing back the father of one of the greatest intellectual properties of all time. 
Yeah, because George Lucas, as he's gotten older, has fucking went off the rails and continuously fucked that product into oblivion. How? Let it. Are you kidding me? Do we have to how this? How there is something he, called how? a despecialization edition of these movies that okay. fans poured hundreds of thousands of hours into. What, literally what is because George Lucas shat all over his product? What is worse, making an awful mockery of the original idea? That's opinion. Or- or the creator trying to add more of his original vision with current technology into the film. But I, I think there's a third, though, because it doesn't have to just be either Kathleen or Luke or, or George. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Whoops. Uh, it, it could also be there are so many creators now that have amazing story ideas that are not being utilized. Why the fuck does George Lucas need to come? Try to like, and that's another thing too. He's getting old. Because so that's what who you're Disney gonna... wants to bring back. Okay. That, like, like I understand there's a bunch of creators in Hollywood, Nate. But and... if di- we're talking about George Lucas or Kathleen Kennedy, I'm sorry, I'm going to pick George. They're okay, trying to now... find a way. They're they're trying to find a way to bring back the disenfranchised Star Wars fans because there's a lot of them. Sure. Now sure. here's the thing. I don't hate the new trilogy, but I see the definite flaws in it. You know, and and, and, and it, I, well, I've mentioned it here on the show and I've mentioned it to Tyler. I've mentioned it to Nate and I know I've mentioned it to the audience. What is the big one crux issue? Not story beats issue when it comes to the new trilogy. Carrie Fisher's death. No. Oh. Uh, the actors don't have any buy in to the material. Negative. I mean, it's true, but yeah, go on. Planning. Oh, yeah, they never created There was the no plans. plan. There was no yeah. plan at all. In fact, was there a loose plan? Yes, there were. So then why, if there was a loose plan, would you give your baton, hand it over to Ryan Johnson, and say, make whatever movie you want, man? Whose failure is that? Kathleen Kennedy's. Mm-hmm. Because, because she... As the showrunner, main producer, while you have a director and writer and he's wanting to do his vision, and that's fine. You know, I'm not talking about story beats or actors or anything in this. I'm talking about the overall point A, point B, point C, where are we going? There was not that. Yeah. Instead, we had the first movie, which was kind of a retread of what we already knew, but we needed it to to reunite the spark of the Star Wars fans. There's not too many people that I can say that I've talked to or heard from that walked out of that theater after seeing Force Awakens that, that didn't go, "Holy shit, that was a good fucking movie." Because yeah. because it but, is. But a lot of but a lot of those people's opinions have changed versus then and now. Now I don't like that movie at all. Now let me ask this question, just out of curiosity, shooting the dog, because you know reasons. Uh, it, it's still, instead of killing the cat, we're just going to shoot the dog. It God just, damn. Was this for, well, a dog yeah. that killed that cat? Yeah, <laughs> like it definitely was. Back to the cat <laughs> again. <laughs> but, like, I'm just going to come out and say this. As a fan of movies, when I hold on to my thought or conjecture of a movie, like, here we are, years later, we all saw uh, The Last Jedi. Together, we all saw Rise of Skywalker. Together. Um, my opinion of those movies have not changed because the initial feeling is what I base myself off of because I think, in just personal opinion, I feel like a lot of times smart fans go on the internet and start reading what other people think, and then that changes and influences what they think is the right avenue to, to be in 
and again, it's kind of politicized because it's like, well, okay, totally different example, but I'll say it like this. Metallica only has four great albums, man. And then in, from the Black Album on, it's just bullshit, man. They sold out. Like that kind of closed-minded thinking, you're shutting yourself off from enjoying the story. Sure, Kathleen Kennedy, not perfect. Sure, she shit the bed in a lot of ways. But the story they told, cohesive, tries to pull a lot of beats from the past and the present together. They tried to make some big brain-altering crazy decisions just to throw the fans and the audience off so that we weren't so expecting because guess what the original trilogy had a crazy shocking twist you didn't see coming so them kind of playing that same beat in this trilogy sure they're treading a lot of the same water but how do you look at the mountain that is star wars and go oh well this is perfect and then you know really final thought on this about george my only concern is he's too old. Simply put, if he does not go balls to the walls and spend the next year and a half writing the entire trilogy, we run the risk of him starting a trilogy he doesn't get to finish. And then what do we get? Another fucking conglomeration of bullshit. As long as, okay, as, as long as we have aware of where we're going, because I still love The Force Awakens. I like The Last Jedi. Here, here's the thing. The, those two, it's like, when you get to last shit, you're like, wow, what are we doing? Oh, wow. When I see now, we don't know where we're going. This is not going how I thought it was going to go. And that, that, that excited me. Then we get to Rise of Skywalker. And what do they do? That is two movies in one where essentially they're trying to undo the movie that they just did to set up for the movie that they wanted to do. So therefore, they, they said they weren't going to do. Yeah. They said they weren't going to go back and try and undo the last movie. And they did. And they, and they did, did because enough people didn't like it. And, they was, and it was divisive. You know what? The prequels were, were divisive as well. They were. They absolutely were. I didn't go see episode two in theaters. Oh, I did. I didn't see episode I two. I didn't actually. I saw episode three after watching episode two on on Fox Television because I I just refused to watch it because it looked like shit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ab- I, I I absolutely did not like it. I like it. Was it. Great makeout material. Well, I'm saying you could bring a girl to la- Attack of the Clones and you have a nice time. I did take a girl to the to like Revenge of the Sith and didn't even pay her any attention because I was in it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I uh, I went and saw Attack of the Clones three times in theaters, twice by myself. Man, I, see, I can't get through that movie very often. Like, well, on like on rewatches, I'll, I'll, I'll still. So here's the thing, like, you know, I said I dislike Force Awakens. Yeah. I, I I do. I, I I don't find it an entertaining film. There's there's two entertaining moments when Ray and Finn get the Falcon and the climactic battle at the end and get the drama of Kylo killing his dad. Like those are, those are the two entertaining moments. What we have in between uh, Finn being a janitor jokes, Ray magically magic powers, uh, bad at acting, but magic powers. And, there's your story for Force Awakens. Like, we can talk about how awful the original trilogy with the added special effects are. Like, sure. Like, I, I don't complain about it, even though I don't enjoy it. Like, just pretend they're not there and you don't even notice them. What I what I can't not notice is awful storytelling. And the the current trilogy is not good storytelling. And it's not cohesive 
because they didn't have the, the plan that they had. They never knew they had, and everything that they did had, they threw it out the window. And see, so okay, it's not cohesive. I do agree with you, and then I also agree that's one of my biggest crux issues with the, with Attack of the Clones that we are supposed to believe that the relationship between Padme and Anakin just manifested. Just manif- it just there. Yeah, it, and it's, they're so awkward the with each other. Daisy Ridley and everybody else. It's bad acting. And it's not until we get well. It, it, well, it's not just bad acting. It's badly written. It, yes. it's, not, it's not good dialogue because that's one thing that George is bad at. Oh yeah. He he's bad at dialogue. <laughs> if, if he's coming in to do a new series or trilogy, I hope he does the story creation and I hope he does yeah, directing. He, he's got to pay somebody else to do that. And then we bring in Lawrence Kasdan to write the script because because motherfucker can do some words. He wrote Force yeah. Awakens, and for, for, and for for the most part, I feel like Force Awakens is good written, some bad acting. You have the mixture of both when it comes to Attack of the Clones because yes. whereas you felt like this, like just in direct comparison for the same thing, because I know it is different, but Han and Leia's relationship coalesces and is it's complicated. It's it's never just outright bam, you know, awkward. Like it's awkward, but goodly written and acted awkward. Mm-hmm. Instead of like the scene is like when it's Padme and Anakin. It's not written to be awkward. They're making it awkward. Yes. And so I don't buy their relationship for one second. Not until we get into Revenge of the Sith do I feel like they actually have chemistry on screen. Yes. And that's why that movie works so much better for me. So if we're going to come in, if we're going to come in and we're going to do something with Star Wars, do I want George back? Yes, I do. Because I want his involvement. I was never cool in a way with him stepping away completely. Because... It just when you, when you remove the guy who started everything, and you're gonna run with it, it's like on one hand you're excited because like okay, what are we gonna get? On the other hand, it's like here's a guy who knows this shit more than we do. There's a reason why he knows it because and also there's another part to this, and it's the same thing that's happened with other creators. It's not his anymore. Star Wars got so big, it's not his anymore. It's ours. Mm-hmm. You know, you have like. That's why we're sitting here talking about it and we're debating these in, the, 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 in these facts. It has outgrown his outstretched hands. It, and, and so even if he makes the prequels and, and pisses people off, that's one thing that he was so worried about after making the prequels. He wanted to do the sequel trilogy, but he was just like, I'm so afraid of just... Because nothing I do is going to make anybody happy. I'm just going to make people mad. And I personally feel like if we make a new trilogy with George, there's going to be like the exact opposite of the people who are mad about the sequel trilogy are going to be mad about his. So I feel like Star Wars, in a way, is getting to the point of like how we are limiting ourselves and how we're going to make everybody happy. You know, when I, I I would ask, I would ask this to 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 add on to that. Would we, as fans of Jurassic Park, right? Jurassic Park, one of the one of the most groundbreaking movies in modern movie history. Steven Spielberg's not a young guy either. But I'll tell you right now, if I got a notification on my phone today that said Steven Spielberg is going to direct another Jurassic Park movie, instead of the trash that we've gotten with the last two Jurassic World movies, sign me up. Because I don't I don't give a shit how old Steven Spielberg is. I care whether or not the Jurassic Park movie's gonna be good see that's another thing because that's a series that like i don't like two and three i was i was entertained by the first world because it was some retread 
and yeah. it, and it has some good actors in it. It's just yeah. Uh, specifically, uh, uh, well, I mean, uh, Chris Pratt and Vincent D'Onofrio are great actors. Right. They kill it in almost everything that they do. But I didn't like the second Jurassic World movie. I thought it was crap. It was absolute crap. I didn't like it like at all. Like I, I was so disappointed by it because I, after coming through Jurassic Park, I saw that in theaters when I was a kid. I, I was blown away by that film. Saw that in the Lorraine. Incredible. Nate. And you know, Nate knows that back when we were kids, Lorraine had that IMAX sound before it was IMAX sound. Like it was like Lorraine had one of the top ten sound uh, sound systems in the in the entire country. It was wow. to see Jurassic Park and be like the Maxwell CD guy. Like on the chair, <laughs> the chair with the hair blowing back every time that damn T Rex roared, that was an experience, and I'm glad that I got to experience it. Uh, and then I got so excited for the second one, it has a letdown. Third one, woof. Okay, I'm done. I've had my fill. So when they're so when they're gonna do a world, I'm like, yeah, I'm not seeing that. And I, and I didn't see it in theaters because I just had no interest. Same, I didn't see it and in I, theaters. I kind of wish I, I kind of wish I would have because I liked it more than I liked the other two movies. Is it better than the first one? Hell no, not in any way, shape, or form. But it was like, wow, we're actually kind of going back to this in a way that makes me interested. Well, so, and it, you know, not to get super down the rabbit hole of Jurassic Park, I just was trying to use that as an example. But the the remaining Jurassic movies all struggle because they they went away from form. Yes. Jurassic Jurassic Park is it's not it's not an action movie. It's a it's a uh, thriller. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a thriller of it's a, yeah, suspense thriller. Thank you. Um you know, they, they tried to action it up. They tried to fast and furious it up. Like quasi put, horror in a way too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like uh well, I mean that's that's why like there's fans, you know, to get a little video game on it. That's why fans like Dino Crisis. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Because it was Resident Evil Jurassic Park. Like that that like Jurassic Park captured that feeling of especially towards the end, you know, when Ellie is um is trying to get like the park back online, like that's some tension, you know. And when the Raptors are hunting the kids, like in the kitchen at the oh, same time. Yeah, oh the fuck it's clicking it's clicking the, the floor. I mean like Steven Spielberg made magic with that film and, and George Lucas made magic with the original trilogy. You know, you go back and watch a new hope. It, it It's definitely the weakest in the, in the trilogy. I don't, I don't go out of my way to watch a new hope like ever. Now, if it's despecialized, then yes, absolutely. You know, cause that's a part of my childhood. Um, but I don't know. It, it's like every time we talk about star Wars, you know, we we go down the rabbit hole of how divisive it, it is, and you know, obviously, I, I'm always ready to grab my pitchfork and my torch uh, for for Kathleen Kennedy, and I'm sure somebody's gonna comment out there like, "Well, Kathleen Kennedy produced Jurassic Park." I know she did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, and it's okay that she did. I, I, I like. No, not, she I'm does not... things good, but she didn't do Star Wars great. Yes, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to drag Kathleen. Kennedy out of her house in the middle of the night, like uh, like somebody in Portland. Um, and, I think I got uh, I got I got the science of it. You know what it is? Go ahead. I understand why Kathleen Kennedy failed, and 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 and, and let me say it like this: um, she looked at what Feige did with the MCU. Oh, you could just have loose stories interconnected this way, yep. you know, and, and and have something really special. And with comics and all this lore that works, you have a lot of ground you can tread 
cleverly and make a big, great thought out story. Star Wars is very, 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 very self-contained universe that has fans that know the history and the background and all the different cultures and, and everything involved. And she just didn't. And I'm not I'm not saying that I hate the movies because I've already said I like those movies, but objectively speaking, she should have handled them with much more respect and adoration and said, let's come up with a plan that we're going to stick to no matter what. And those three movies are going to be those three movies. And we're not going to let, you know, maybe they were afraid leaks scripts or script leaks or whatever. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. scrap leaks. I don't, you know, whatever Screep the leaks. shit, <laughs> you know, dude, she, dude, she has quite the, uh, Oh yeah. The repertoire. Have you actually sat down and, 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 and looked at all of them? I think I she's involved with Back have. to the Future as well. E.T., Poltergeist, Temple of Doom, Gremlins, Goonies, Back to the Future, Money Pit, American Tale, Empire of the Sun, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Land Before Time, Back to the Future 2, Back to the Future 3, Gremlins 2, Arachnophobia, Cape Fear, Hook. Yeah, Man. yeah. I mean, it's, she's got her hooks in the industry, you know, like Jurassic Park, Flintstones, the original, in, Indian in the cupboard. Hey, Twister. I love that movie. Oh my god, I love Twister. Yes, you know, I mean, yeah, like, like as much as I shit on Kathleen Kennedy, like obviously, you know, she she has been a, uh, I don't want to say paragon because that's the wrong word, but she's obviously been. Uh, a primetime player in the industry and, and I, I really appreciate what the way that you worded it Nate she just did she just did Star Wars bad like she, she I can did see it dirty. I, I, I can see them coming into this with the best intentions yes. and, and they wanted to be able they wanted to do what they did with the original trilogy bring another director bring a writer in and let them make an awesome movie because Irvin Kirshner and Lawrence Kasdan made an awesome movie but you had a producer where Kathleen Kennedy should be sitting at, who was the story creator and driving their direction. And that was George Lucas. You know, and then coming into uh, Return of the Jedi, he had to get a a, a foreign director to, to, to direct the film because he, none of the actual directors in this country could touch it. He wanted Spielberg to direct Return of the Jedi, but he couldn't because the uh, the Film Association Guild or, uh, or, or like, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Screen Actors Screen Guild. Screen Actors SAG. Guild or, 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 or SAG or... They pretty much said none of the directors will can do it because we're not authorizing this for this because you don't put credits in front of your films. And so that was an issue at the time. And they got an unknown director to do it, Return of the Jedi. And it kind of shows because when you look at that empire, there's a quality dip a little bit. Not much. It's still a good movie by, by, by all means and purposes. But no, what when you go into Force Awakens, you can see where she's working very tight-knit with J.J., and they're creating what they're going to do, where they're going to go. And then you go with Ryan Johnson. She goes, let's do our thing and let's have fun and let's move this thing forward. And he does. And then they go into the third one. And the, and it was going to be originally be Colin, uh, Colin uh, Tavaro. Is, is that his name? Trevor. Colin Trevaro. Yeah. 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 Colin Trevaro. And, you know, he was going to be him. And then she fired him and they brought back JJ. And they're pretty much band-aiding this thing back together because it should have been, and in my opinion, whether or not it would have been good or bad, that's something that we can't argue because we're not going to have that. It should have been JJ for the entire time, him and yeah. her, and maybe Kazdan or maybe Kazdan's kid, 
you know, sit down and write a story, a loose story, not even the whole script, just the story. Episode seven, eight, and nine. Where are we going? How are we going to get there? At the end of that, we can talk about whether or not the story writing or and everything from the whole thing as a whole is good or bad. Unfortunately, we're not going to have that, and we have what we have. If they decide to do something that undoes it, I'm interested to see in how they do it and whether or not it's going to be better than what we got. Me as a Star Wars fan in general, I'm a little jaded because of this kind of stuff. Because there's it is so divisive. It, it is so there's a lot of passion around it. And it's hard to talk about it and to to be an opponent or a a or be pro something and not have somebody instantly be like you're wrong, because we all have different perspectives. We all have different mindsets. And you know, like going into Mandalorian, I thought Mandalorian was fifty percent awesome. I feel like the three episodes. There are three episodes in that show that do absolutely nothing for that show. And that is like they they start the story, then they go to episode of the week. Cool stuff in those episodes, but you literally wrote two different kinds of shows in one little short season, with with only having a thirty or forty minute time running. And like so, what coming in? You're like you're excited to see what happens in the story, and they don't do anything. And then they remember, oh yeah, we were telling a story in the last two episodes. You go back and you finish the story. And it gets good again. Like the first two episodes, awesome. Last two episodes, awesome. The middle ones, eh. cool stuff. I'm not gonna say there's not cool shit. Cool shit to see. It's cool shit to be entertained by. Just like right. you can go into the new trilogy and be entertained by stuff. I Lots just felt of like sauce, no substance. It just yeah, it just felt like <clears throat> they just like okay, we're gonna take a break from writing the story to fill in some other stuff because that's fun to see. And it went from being Star Wars to, to Star Trek. And then it went back and to Star I like Wars. That. You know, I think I want to. I just want to throw this out there. I feel like Star Wars has been divisive since 1997. It's been before that, and I mean, it's really, before since that. before that, because obviously, Star Trek, Star Wars was a big battling thing in the late 70s into the into the 80s or whatever. But what I'm more saying is, is that in the 90s, when the special editions came out, when George retouched the movies and added new flair and new graphical content. It, it pissed some, a lot of people off. A lot of people weren't thrilled. And I mean, as a kid, I was like, oh, my God, I could see Star Wars in theaters. It's the greatest thing ever. And then, you know, the changes become more noticeable as you get older. There were people but, who uh, hated Return of the Jedi. There were. I, I was just going to say a that. Lot too. Of there people. were also people that were not happy Ewoks. with how that movie turned out. Ewoks ruined. Yep. They're like, my God, teddy bears beat the fucking empire. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jar Jar Binks. Another it, it, device. That, Jar Jar character. Binks is like a step cousin to the Ewoks. You know, like a not not literally an ugly hairless version, <laughs> but but like in terms of idea, it's like it's the same kind of idea. You because you're, you know, they're trying to they're they're trying to draw in a kid's property because guess what, Star Wars is it's a kid's property. Mm-hmm. It always will be, and, and, and the more that we as adults try to push and prod it to be super dark and adult, like it does get sometimes. And that's at, at its core, that's not what Star Wars is. So. Anyway, what what about that whole uh, uh, Zack Snyder stuff from Comic-Con? Dude, lots of Zack Snyder stuff coming out of Comic-Con. Man, uh, tea he, was first spilled. Of all, he's finishing the film for free. Yeah, he's not taking a dime from that. He's putting it all in the movie. Doesn't want no money back. Also refusing to use a single second of Joss Whedon footage. no frames this, from- is, this this is the most baller fucking move 
in Hollywood in the last decade. I agree. Like, <laughs> you know what? You know what? You got you Warner Brothers. You didn't want my fucking movie. Now you want my fucking movie. Get that trash out of here. I'm making my movie. See, and that's where it's interesting because it's not just like the fact that Warner Brothers, they really don't want anything to do with this. It's the other division because they're all under mm-hmm. Turner Media. HBO right. Max is like, make, yes, do it. Bring it to us. We'll pay you. And Warner Brothers like, lie. like, what the fuck? And, and Zack Snyder's like, okay. <laughs> I'm coming and I'm bringing friends. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. You know, I am rooting for this. I, I truly am. Absolutely. I am rooting for this because I didn't hate the version of the movie we got, you know, but it definitely but it feels different. Well, you can tell. You can tell that it was – you can tell that, like, just in feel. And, and it, there's parts where you're like, yeah, I can see where this – where they were – it was all Warner Brothers wanting them to push a lighter tone to be comparable to Marvel. Right. To be fair, that that's, that's worked very well for Marvel. You can't fault Warner Brothers for wanting some of that little cash, right, and to please the fans. But also, from my opinion – I thought BVS was cool being dark and I was awesome with that being a bit of a darker setting and the DC mm-hmm. stuff being darker and the Marvel being a little bit lighter. That way I have two different contrasting and I'm not just superheroed out my ass. Yeah. And you're not, you're not just, you're not a sponge sucking up just one, like one genre, one, or I'm sorry, one take on the genre. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the, the Avenger realistically, the Avengers that we got is like, like kids Avengers. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's always obviously the drama and it, and and the things of that nature are real, um, and it but but it feels very, it feels very Saturday morning cartoon, especially the first one and yes. second one. Yes, yep. They got and, better at telling their story, like, but that was also a lot more of the uh, the the writers from that wrote uh, the last few wrote the Captain America films, so they mm-hmm. that that's what kind of drove that. But no, that right. those first two movies were very kind of cartoony uh, that set well for that early part of what the MCU was. And I totally agree with you. That's, you know, I'll stand, I'll, I'll die on that hill that I didn't mind BVS, you know, like Man of Steel was what Man of Steel was. I mean, we can just kind of forget about it, but like, I loved the fact that it was a darker feel. It was, it was gritty. It was, it was grungy. It was, it wasn't clean. It wasn't white tablecloth, and mm-hmm. that's what that's what everything coming out of the MCU was. And they really fucked up when they decided not to continue down that track. Well, when they saw that opportunity to remove Sack, because BVS came out and it only made a billion dollars. Um, Goodness, <laughs> only a billion. Jesus, you know, it, it was what panned by critics. It was panned race. by a lot of fans, and and. I the one thing I said way back when uh, you know, 100 200 episodes ago I can't remember how long ago we we reviewed that I feel like it's a good movie that is just it's not as good written especially when you're taking the first thing that time that you're seeing Batman again is from the Nolan verse which is very well written for for, for characters and mm-hmm. for the BVS movie and for uh it was just like kind of like you basically got all the feelings wrapped down in the, in the one or two lines of dialogue, so it wasn't really that well written. But it was also the the bonus of that for not being well written is that it was very well acted. You had a great cast in BVS. You had a great cast in Justice League. Well, who who thought who thought Ben Affleck was going to kill it as Batman? Nobody. I thought entire, I was hopeful. 
but the yeah. entire but but the entire industry in Hollywood are like and fans are like you know they were they were petitioning to get uh, just like um, Heath and yes yeah right. just like everybody else they were petitioning to get fucking Ben Affleck out of there <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you right now Batfleck is my favorite Batman of the the modern era like he was he was just good he was really good and the one thing that I'm really excited about for for Snyder for one Snyder gets to actually show his movie and his vision because for some reason, the other version that we got still says directed by Zack Snyder. Yep. And that's an injustice to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no pun intended or maybe, ah, or, or maybe there. it's pun intended, but like, and then Joss got a screenwrite play. Well, Joss free reframe that movie. And then we've talked about it here on the show where all the stories coming out about Joss not being that great to work with and talk shit about the movie to people, other people who are working with Zack on the movie. And it's just like, you know, I am rooting for Zach and I'm rooting for this version of the movie because uh, because I, I really want to see it. Me too. I really want to see what he was bringing forward. There's a couple of moments in the original, in the one that we got that we probably won't get in this one that really made me happy as a fan. And it's the, the first scene is when Flash is running really fast and Superman eyes him. Mm-hmm. And his eyes follow. I, I love that. I got goosebumps in the theater when I saw that. Nate, I believe I saw that with you in the theaters. I think we went and saw it together. I, I think V and Sarah yeah. was there too. And yeah. and I just got goosebumps when he just broke loose and he just came so close to hitting flat. I'm like, this is awesome. And then he's going all ham as far as like, I remember you. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I, I loved it. But the other part of it, was how well because Danny Elfman did the score, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how well he weaved in the old Superman from the original movie and the old Batman themes at the very end of the movie when Batman jumps out with the Batmobile and he's like, "I'm a, I'm gonna sacrifice. I'll, I'll be the guy running the ball," you know. And then you hear the old like '89 Batman score. Like I was like in the theater going, "Ah, yeah, here we go. I remember that song," <laughs> you know. It was a good time, and that just because I and I enjoyed, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it because now when this new one comes out, I'm going to go back and I'm going to rewatch Man of Steel and I'm going to rewatch BVS. Yep. So that way, it's like I get the constant flow of a feel all the way through to see what his original vision was. And what I'm really loving is that all the actors are back in sack and saying, "Yes, cool. This is the movie we signed on to do." Yep. Uh, I will say there's some interesting stuff. Zach also says there's going to be new footage that releases at some point in another event that's happening this month um because he did release a small clip of the superman in the black and silver costume yes um that we haven't talked about but he's also not giving up whether this movie is going to be a movie and not or a series with how long it is because i think he said the right as of right now the the cut of the movie is like almost four or five hours long five and a half hours long Oh yeah, and he's like, "That's pretty standard for when you have all these scenes and you have all these because uh, not, uh, not everything makes it to the movie, even for what you would consider to be like deleted scenes or just scenes that they cut the very last second, mm-hmm. uh, be, you know, before they cut it down for time." Uh, I wouldn't be against that, to be honest nope. with you. It, like, especially if it if he feels like having these extra scenes is going to help his vision. Me. The only the, the only thing is is that when we go into it, we have to remember that it's not a series; it's still a movie. We're just we're just digesting it in, in bits and pieces. 
Well, and here's the thing too. I think I can't remember if it was Nate or Brando or, or somebody else on the network that I had this conversation about or with, but we, when Mandalorian first came out, we were talking about how um, shows and runtimes like affect us as, as the people um, con- as consumers. That's yeah. what I was looking for as consumers. And and I'll be honest. Oh, actually, I remember what it was. It wasn't Mandalorian. It was when they were talking about re-releasing Infinity War and Endgame as a one-parter. The, sit in the sit yeah. in the theater, watch five-hour-long, five and a half-hour-long yep. thing. Yeah. Yep. Would you do it? And and I'll be honest. Like absolutely. You give me, like, think about like when we were kids and we would go to like the drive-in mm-hmm. or like a play or something like that. They always had intermission. Yeah. Do just split the movie up into two. Give me a ten or fifteen minute intermissions so I can go refill my popcorn, go take a piss, go do whatever, and I will gladly devote five and a half hours of of, of my time to watch to watch something like that. You know, now I don't want to go see um, the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants four. That's five <laughs> and a half hours long. Um, you know, I I, I don't think lovely. That I don't think that should be an industry standard, but if you have a big drama or, or uh, like e- even like a crazy action movie, like say they reboot the Die Hard franchise or Lethal Weapon, what if we had a two-part Lethal Weapon movie? Each movie was two and a half hours long. I I, I think there's enough of us out there that would go and watch it. You know, it, it you just have to do it. Sm- you just have to you have to do it smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some more stuff from Snyder that I want to touch on you guys. I don't know if you know this. A fan who was really clever said uh, said this when talking to Zack Snyder. They said, you know, uh, there were some promotional shirts that were um, back like for crew when they were filming the original Justice League and had every crew member had a different shirt that had a different logo for a, one of the characters in the movie. And there were Green Lantern shirts. And all Zack Snyder responded with was, I did have those made, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Like playing really coy, like not saying, oh, my cut's going to definitely have the Green Lantern drop or anything, but but teasing that it could be could be possible. Well, originally they were going to try and use this as a lead in, you know, they already kind of did it where BBS. I loved how they started that at the beginning. Because essentially what happened at the end of Man of Steel was, was also happening at the beginning of BBS and was like the lead in to introducing Batman yes. into it. I thought that was great. You know, some people, that was very clever. You know, some people said, oh, we should have done it at the end of the other movie. I'm like, maybe you could have done like an after credit scene of basically been in the, you know, been in the whole like covered in the 9-11 dust. And the, yeah. and then and we we're like, oh wait, Ben Affleck's in this, and then and someone's and then he's standing up and he's and he's looking up at like the remains of and it says Wayne Tower. You're like, oh, that could have been cool, but to do that whole scene, now nah, you just need a lead in, and I'm hoping that the new thing does have a little bit of lead in for what they were going to do with the lanterns. Yeah, I agree totally. And then I also found that he says uh, that fandom is which is the next event. DC fandom is yes. happening this next month. Yeah. Um, Phantom Place takes takes place August 22nd, and this is exactly the quote Zack Snyder said. I will tell you guys that Phantom, there will be more footage, so you can look forward to a bigger meal, if you will. Cool. cool. So I'm excited for it because I'm, as I said, I, I'm rooting for it, and I want to, and I want it to succeed. 
and I want us to have, uh, I, I, like in a way, force Warner Brothers' hand into like, no, 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 let's not go this way, let's go this way, you know, and and it's okay, we can have the patents in or, or, or like the patents and stuff. This stuff can coexist, you know, we can have fun. Yeah, and if you're smart and you're and you know you're. Uh... Zack Snyder right now, you're recutting this film. There's nothing to stop you from having a way to introduce Pattinson into the multiverse in this moment. Too. Well, he can't film any new shit. Oh, so they have to be already existing scenes that are reshot? Okay, so here's the thing. He was given 20 to $30 million to finish the movie with effects, uh, recuts, you know, and all this stuff. Because he had his movie done when he got yeah. let go. His movie was all shot. They just need to finalize effects, finalize processing, finalize cut. Gotcha. And then, uh, you know, he was dealing with, you know, with his family emergency at the time. And they went ahead and let him go, brought in Joss, and they gave Joss millions of dollars, $50 million to go reshoot a bunch of shit. And he reshot. And go cost people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy to say that he just appeared during Comic-Con. Did you guys hear about this? No. Nathan Fillion had his own like little panel, which, you know, love him or hate him. Nathan Fillion, take it or leave it, you know. But apparently uh, the panel was crashed, which obviously planned um, by Joss Whedon, which is pretty bizarre considering all these uh, allegations that are out against him right now. Like making a public appearance probably doesn't seem like the best thing, but that just goes yeah. to show how big Joss Whedon's ego is. Yeah. Oh, care. totally, totally, totally. Stuff going uh, on about, about Brian Singer as well. Right now, and you know, I was actually going to use that as kind of the lead-in because apparently the X Men cast was threatening to quit the sequel due to his behavior. X two, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, um, and then of course that that knowledge, the whole uh, cast wanting to quit, led to Kevin Feige essentially having to babysit Brian Singer on stage or on on set, and that's wow. a shame. Just like Joss, you know, like Brian got it with the X Men characters, you know. Uh, he did X-Men one and two and then do three. And that definitely shows in terms of quality, you know, and then he comes back in with the new ones and we get, and we end up getting days of future past out of it, which is one of the best single X-Men yep. movies that has ever been made. Yep. Whether or not you like anything that came after it before, it doesn't matter. Like in my opinion, in my personal opinion, X-Men days of future past is the end of the X-Men franchise for me. Cause that yeah. be, be, it might as well be. Well, because you had those first three, and the third one's, man, that's hard to get through. But you know you're going back to the first class to get the prequel story. And then you're going to get this awesome coalescing between the two past and futures. And with the old cast and new cast. And it ends up with what? Gene's still alive. Scott's still alive. They undid a lot of the stupid decisions they made in X3. They made they undid a lot of the stupid decisions. But, they, but then if you go back and you rewatch that movie, it's not just one stupid movie decisions, but... You know, crappy plot decisions is like, wow, we saved it. You know, we as characters, we saved this. And then I, the, the ending on that movie is beautiful. And like, oh yeah, like that movie was that is probably one of my favorite superhero action movies ever, ever. Mm-hmm. I thought everybody was great in it. And for, I mean, for First Class and Days of Future, Past, yes, I think I think we're both fantastic. I mean, who would have thought that Kevin Bacon would be like a big good like villain a, yeah a good villain yeah and i mean how how incredible was he and i mean the cast the cast of both of those films were great uh i mean i i i really like the way that you put that that days of future past was the end of the x-men franchise because uh 
that just like the first trilogy, the third one is impossible to get through. Not hard, impossible. <laughs> but but it's but it's better now knowing that to get when you get on the other side of that of all that wow, this was just this just went south big time for these characters. Mm-hmm. And didn't end well for them. Nobody. Yep. But to know that it does end well better later due to the work of these other characters that went that lived through that. Mm-hmm. They, they almost took a bad cinema situation and turned it into a good cinema situation. Because and chicken shit and my chicken God, salad. Like, dude, they brought back um uh uh, uh Frazier, the guy who plays Frazier, uh to be beast for that one scene at the end. Kelsey Grammer, Kelsey, yeah. They Kelsey brought back Grammer, Kelsey yeah. Grammer just for the uh, end scene of Dance Future Past and just walking by. Oh my god. And then he sees Gene and he's like, Oh my god, Gene. And then there's Scott. You know, like Ah, <laughs> you know, and then it's like, hey. the, and then we well then we go back and we remember in the first X Men movie and Logan has no idea who the fuck he is, where he's been, everything, and now we know why, because it's a it's part of the space time continuum bullshit. Yep, but it makes sense. And Narratively, it, make, it makes sense. And it makes sense because then instantly he locks eyes with fucking professor X Xavier and Xavier knows instantly that he's back. Mm-hmm. God, I'm, I'm tearing up thinking about that. I got to go watch that movie. Oh, it's God perfect. It's I love so that good. fucking movie guys. I like, I was so, I, I was so burned by X-Men three that I didn't go see first class. And then I, I literally went to go see days of future past. Cause I knew it was going to be a uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen's last time on screen together. And I just love those two actors. Yeah. And, uh, so especially I, together. Yes. Knowing that the old cast is going to be back there, that's what lured me in. You know, I'm like, eh, I, I, I didn't see first class, whatever. I'll go see this just out of pure uh, devotion to these actors. And I went and I went, oh my god, this was amazing. I have to watch first class. So I went home and found it online somewhere, and 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 we watched it immediately. And I and I was like, okay, I'm in, dude. That was awesome. Like you guys yeah. have redeemed this shit. And that's what you know. We gushed about this, but it, that's what makes it so. So, you know, same thing with Josh. You know, Josh understood and got all these characters together with with the Avengers and got the ball rolling and doing those movies as a spectacle. Uh, you know, to make them stand out aside from the regular superhero stuff. Just like we said, the you know the Saturday morning cartoon, the big hurrah, big colors, big craziness. And he did it in a way that it made sort like sort of sense for what they were trying to do. And to hear all these allegations and the fact that these people aren't maybe the best people that we. Uh, want them to be is a little sad because we can appreciate their art so much. It's hard sometimes to, to separate the art from the artist. Mm. Uh, and you know, uh, especially in, in times of like that we're in, sometimes it's hard to do that even more. It's like you, you hear like a songwriter or something and you really like the songs that he wrote and you're like, but he's kind of a shit person, you know? So like, how can we really like these songs? And it's like, well, it's hard, but like those songs that he helped write or, movies that he helped make don't don't define him as a person and they, and they don't define you as 100% supporting that person because it, and it, like in a way you're 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 supporting something that they've done but they're not using that to uphold their the, like their message because that is separate that what you said then does not match what you said or what you're saying now i don't know it, it, it's a very fine line to walk Definitely is, and I'm like I'm never gonna not be a fan of Avengers: Age of Ultron. Like mm-hmm. you can shit all over that movie for whatever reasons, but it's still, in my opinion, one of the the best things that Marvel had put out. Uh, you know, at least to date, especially. But um, 
it doesn't mean I'm a Joss Whedon fan because he doesn't ever nothing I've ever heard about him has made me go, man, he's a likable guy. I would love to just, you know, crack open some brewskis with him and, and chat about life. Like it never it never feels like that, you know. Well, you and, know, and, Nate, one that hits home for you is Michael Graves. Uh yeah, absolutely. You know, we we played Perfect. we played a couple of, of, of his era misfit songs while we were in the band together, and I had so much fun. And those songs are awesome. I still love those songs. And I went on to launch my own musical uh, thing because of that first, yeah, uh, that yeah. you know, first Misfits album with Graves, and you know, that was an interesting conversation the three of us had to have. Like he comes out as an absolute shit white supremacist person, and we had to literally say, like, okay, well, we have to make a statement now. Mm-hmm. We have to say something because we don't want people to go look at our history and go, oh. They support this ass bag. We don't support him. We don't. We never supported him personally, but the music is the music. Yeah. Well, so. it, you know, it just that you know he had a hand in it. You know, it, and 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 that's something you know, like to think about is to try and to, you know, it. it it's like how many people are going to be able to really sit there and watch the Cosby Show again with the same kind of enjoyment you know i actually heard uh well i don't remember what i was watching but somebody was talking about like it was in some sort of show or movie and they were talking about like oh you're just like um a tv a television dad and they started naming off tv dads and one of them was bill cosby and i just winced i was like oh that didn't hold up in the annals of history like well and then you have like a show like family guy who's like Talking about Bill Cosby and Kevin Spacey as being real pervs mm-hmm. way back 15, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. You know, because it's not like this stuff isn't semi-known or, or, or whispered about in in the zeitgeist, you know. And and please, I, I, want, I want it to be known that by pervs, I'm not saying that these two are absolute pedophiles I'm, because there's nothing to say that. But they're... But they had they had like they did unwanted advances on people, and that's not cool. You can't do that. But mm-hmm. but but people people in the industry knew it, and people with enough balls to kind of just make a joke about it, to kind of say, "Hey, yeah, this shit, yeah, this shit's out there, man." Mm-hmm. And then and then twenty years later, people are like, "What, man? Kevin Spacey was an awesome actor, and he is. He is an awesome actor. I, I've I, I I've enjoyed him and everything I've ever seen him in." But it's kind of hard now to sit back and watch. It's like going back and watch a good Chris Benoit match. It's hard to do that when you think about how he murdered his son and wife. And you're like, I, know, uh, I think it's interesting too, though, is if you watch Kevin Spacey movies now where he's a bad guy, you're like, <laughs> oh, dude, it's perfect. Like, it just, it fits. <laughs> really, it just, and, and, and it's really weird to say that because just to, to kind of touch on where we're going with this, but like, I get you. Do you guys know who Chris D'Elia is? Mm-hmm. He's a comedian, right? Killed mm-hmm. it. Great comedian, everything, right? And uh, on Workaholics, he plays a pedophile. In a TV show called You, he played a pedophile. And then he just got outed as an actual pedophile who was preying on underage girls. Mm. And it changes my opinion of him as a person. Netflix and, and any place that had the Workaholics show took down the episode with him as a pedophile because it's really disturbing. Yeah. But it's like, how can you not when casting that role, think that someone who's cool with playing that role doesn't have that in them somewhere. Mm -hmm. 
you know and then like i don't know if you've seen the video yet or not but there's the fighter and the kid that's brendan schaub and the dude from mad tv they do like a podcast together and they had brian callen brian yeah thank you brian callen yeah Yeah, because brian brian callen's uh also facing accusations now oh shit i didn't hear that but um they had Chris D'Elia on the show and he realized you can watch the video. There's an exact moment. He realizes his career is screwed because they talk about like, Oh yeah, you can save screenshots from Snapchat. And he was like, what you can. And then like, you can tell his whole, like the color drains from his face and you can tell he's realized like somebody's got dirt on me now and I can't escape. And uh, yeah, it's just, I think it's unfortunate because Hollywood is like it could be a really great, cool thing where people could flourish and have great careers. But so many assholes are in there utilizing and taking advantage of people within their power. We all can't be Keanu Reeves, though. Exactly. But I wish we were. Also, uh, really quick before we wrap up the show, Bill and Ted Face the Music is coming out here in a few weeks and it's coming at the theaters and on demand. Keanu Reeves is such a good dude. Go go find a way to watch that movie. You know, uh, I'm going to make my wife watch it. I, I I forced her to watch one of the other ones with me, and she thought it was so stupid. And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> That's what these movies are. They're absolutely stupid. And I can't. I heard, this. however, though, this most recent one is a uh, is a real uh, emotion mover. I, I hope so, because but, you know, just like Uncharted 4, it's about damn time we felt something about these characters. You know, we can feel goofy and silly in the first two and the third one and kind of have it since we it, it works in that sense, because now we've been around and, and we have nostalgia for these characters and we care about them a little bit where it's like if they start doing the emotion thing, hey, it kind of works at that point because it makes us because because we're already pre-invested. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, is there anything else we want to dive into and add before we get out of here on this very tangential podcast? I will say next time you listen to the three of us amazing dudes together, we will be covering Cosmic Ghost Rider number one. We have officially decided on that as we totally pulled a 30 percenter and forgot to put the poll up. Yeah, I guess we pulled a zero percenter. Yeah, Uh, I kind of forgot about that myself. My bad. Whoops. Had some stuff kind of going on in my Happens? Life. Yeah, it does. But you know what? That was the one that we were all kind of wanting to, to, to think about doing. That like, that was one of the front runners anyway. So maybe after this one, we'll throw a poll up. <laughs> I, I really like the idea of throwing a poll up um, after this one because... I throw morning polls up a lot. Nate, Nate, <laughs> some, some morning toothpicks, but hey, now, <laughs> whoa, whoa! If you look at Cosmic Ghost Rider, like obviously it's not a super popular series, but it has a lot of tie-ins to, like, or a lot of relevancy to like the MCU with mm-hmm. with what they did with Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, there's there's more than one. There's I think four or five different cosmic ghost rider different series now so i mean i'm not, I'm not saying like we're gonna do the entire cosmic ghost rider mythos back to back but it might be fun to do we'll do this one and then you know a couple months down the road we might do another one you yeah. know it'd be fun to to jump from from series to series I, I would really like, you know, especially now that Brando is on board, I would really like to get the end of the JJ Abrams spider-man comic series but but i mean fuck we might as well just not even plan on getting it because i looked um yesterday when i was i was kind of doing some computer work yesterday and i was like 
fuck it, I'll see if I can find this this book if it's out yet. There is still no concrete word on when when we're gonna get those last two issues. Uh. Yeah, I mean it, it like we were originally supposed to get it in what December, Nate, and then it moved to February, and then it and moved then it to was March, April, and then it, yeah, and then it was so, June. Yep, and then now they're just like, uh, sometime you you might get it sometime. One, you're gonna get it at one. <laughs> <laughs> at one point in time. Yes, exactly. One point in time. But, uh, uh, but no, that, that's all I got for today. Cool, man. Well, uh, Brando, you got anything else to add, dude? That's about it for me, man. Okay, well, as always, folks, check out our amazing podcast feed, Journey Into Comics Network, on all the different podcasting platforms. You know what they are. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. Also, go to journeyintocomics.com. Please ignore the awful blue color that's happening right now. We're trying to figure it out. We're in a blue period, apparently, and just don't know how to get out of it. But uh, it, it, It's to the point where, vet, where if we can't fix it, we've talked about making the network logo blue. Just, yes, it's just correct, because that's because it's <laughs> annoying. It's on that level of annoying. It's tr- driving me insane. But anyways, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics. It's been JIC 307. I don't remember what the Spoonerism title was that Brandon said. Oh, earlier. Uh, 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 Spetsboarding or something like that. Spets, Spetsboarding. Spets yeah. <laughs> so this has been JIC 307 Spetsboarding. I've been Nate. I've been, I've been Brando. And as always, folks, pop your caps back. And fill your brains with shit. Later, guys.